This week's episode was brought to you by B Violet Photography. You can find B Violet Photography on Facebook where she has her email and website linked. Her phone number is 715-712-4778. And you know Bex is the best photographer in the league. This week's River King Alumni of the Week is Adrian Sabag. From the 1415 River Kings who played in the MNJHL, Adrian led the team in franchise points per game. I believe he still holds that record to this day. He was also a Fillmore boy, and uh, he ended up bringing Adrian Sell to us last year, so that's pretty special. And then he went on and played at Adrian College, and now he's back in France playing professionally. Even though I never got to meet Adrian, thank you for your efforts in building the culture here in Wisconsin Rapids, and best of luck to you in your future endeavors. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the 11th episode of the Skating the River podcast. You're here with Nathan Bottles, joined by the one and only Luke Harky Luke. I am absolutely jacked up to be recording another episode. This is probably going to be one of our better ones. Um, kind of a wild card of a guess. I, I'm i going to have to agree with that. I mean, we have we have quite the episode, as Luke said. I mean, we have our special, special, special guest, Jack Winger, joining us today, also known as Coach Winger to those, and he will definitely have a ton of great <laughs> stories for us. I'm I'm almost certain of it, actually. And in this episode, we're also going to recap the previous weekend. We're going to have some great new stories and obviously a great interview, as I mentioned before. And we're going to look ahead as the boys prepare to take on the Dells Ducks at home this weekend and then the Moose during the week. So we have a very busy schedule coming up here. So let's take it right on back to the weekend recap against the Hudson Havoc. We had one game, and I mean, we got the win. We we got sure. done what we needed to get done, honestly, and we moved our record to 25-3-1-1. Gave us 52 points, and we are in first place in the division still. Um, and we gave Hudson their second regulation loss on the season, which is, I mean, that's that's always great news, right? So, mm-hmm. And, I mean, of course, it's always awesome to play at home in front of our, our phenomenal fans Absolutely. out here in Rapids. So, Absolutely. Luke, do you want to touch up on the past weekend a little bit? Yeah, like you said, 4-3 win. Uh, we got scored on first, battled back for the fourth, uh, fourth goal after they tied it up uh, early in the third. So... It's good to see. It's always uh, always nice to see boys battling back. I thought everybody played really well. Riley in net. Um, I mean, rock solid as always. One for one on the power play. Didn't get a ton of power plays. Um, for us, we killed off, I think, four theirs. They were one for five. We were one for one. Outshot Hudson 30-29 to 29 after being outshot 14-8 in the first period. So uh, after being outshot 2-1, to one, got back at it and uh, started to play our game. So all in all, like you said, I mean, that was a huge game that was – don't know if we're going to get another one scheduled with Hudson. So moving to uh, 2-0-1 against them is uh, is definitely good news for sure. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think that was a, a huge weekend, obviously. I mean, I, I think you just about summed it up, like battling back after yeah. that first period where, you know, I mean, honestly, it didn't look too good. We had to kill yeah. a lot of penalties that first period. It was, it was a little tough, honestly. But, I mean, you're right. The boys battled back, and that was awesome to see. So I guess we can move on to our upcoming weekend here. We have the Dells Ducks at home for a uh, full weekend series against them. And then, obviously, we have the Moose Tuesday, Wednesday, and mm-hmm. that's going to be away. Not sure exactly where yet. We're thinking Spooner, but yeah. right now it's still kind of up in the air. So yep. we're going to have to see how that goes. But, obviously, you know, starting at Dell's Ducks, I mean, these are must-have points. We need to stay in first place. We need the points. Um, Dell's have, have kind of been turning around their season yeah. a little bit. We know that they're, they started out the season – pretty rough and i mean they're getting some wins now so obviously they're they're doing something right they're changing something up so absolutely obviously i know they have a a few new guys and i know their roster's still changing a little bit so it's going to be interesting to see who we get i mean that's going to be a new team i think so we're gonna we're gonna have to come in focused and prepared to take on these guys this weekend and uh you know i think we need to keep our focus and take take it one shift at a time as mario says right so absolutely we we need to kind of just you know stay focused on task at hand you know, right. kind of get in there, and I think we can get the job done this weekend, obviously. And then with the Moose, I mean, it's going to be another big test, and that's going oh, yeah. to be huge to maintain first place in the standings. So, I mean, they're a good team, and we've only played them once this season. That was in a showcase way early in the season. We had an overtime loss. We were we were up on them, too. We kind of gave that one away. So yeah. I know that the boys are ready to get back after this one and, and get those points back for sure. So, Luke, do you want to touch up on this upcoming uh, week and weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, Dell's Ducks three, five, and two in the last ten. They've uh, they 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 showed some people uh, 
what the new look team looks like at showcase i know we we saw a couple of their games and or i mean they took pittsburgh who's now in second place in in their division to ot so took the cougars last weekend to ot so like you said standings are close they're must have points and i mean also like you said just take care of business this weekend we know what we got to do we've done it before so yeah, that being said, I mean, you can't overlook these games this weekend with knowing that you have the moose or we're going to the moose early next week. But you got to, like you said, one shift at a time, one game at a time. So take care of Dells and then we'll, we'll we'll get going on the moose. Like you said, they're 24 and five right now at the time we're recording this. We are recording this on Tuesday. Um, last meeting four three OT loss, like you said. They have Hudson this Friday and Saturday, so yeah, it's going to be huge. Those are that's a huge four game stretch for them. They're sit, currently sitting at forty eight points. We'll see where they are after the weekend. Could grab a win, could grab a sweep. Who knows? So huge games, like you said, must have points. And uh, I don't know. I think it'll be a good test. I, I know I'm ready for some redemption. It's been a while. November was the last time we played them, I think, or maybe October even. So I think it's time uh, we show them. I mean, our team has changed a lot. I mean, we've brought some new guys in. We've We've obviously grown as a team, so I think it'll be a, a good good little test, a little Tuesday, Wednesday, and then getting right back after it. Oh, for sure. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. Like that's that was full stack guy Luke going again oh, yeah. here. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you needed a breakdown on the weekend and the teams you're going up against, I mean he basically told you their records, what they're at right now, how sure. important it is, because when honestly showing those stats you you can tell now mm-hmm. that like the standings are close. They got 48. We got 52. Yeah. You know, this weekend against Hudson, huge for the Moose, mm-hmm. huge for the Hudson Havoc as well. So, like, yeah. it's just going to be so close all the way around. Yeah. And, you know, there's one thing that I really enjoy that I, I don't really touch on much on this podcast, but I know that when we're at the dinner table, it seems that we, we talk a lot about how we tell stories and stuff, which we do. We tell a lot of stories. But we also love to talk hockey. And the Fillmore's love listening about our days and how practice went and yeah. how everything else goes on. And honestly, that's where I'm going next. I think we're going to jump right into the Fillmore Food Reviews. Let's do it. Because we do have some dinners we have to discuss that we are having this week that I think are pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I would say yeah. near the, the top tier of phenomenal foods that you can eat. And Could, especially the way that they're prepared yeah. here at the Fillmore household. Oh, yeah. So we're going to start it off. I'm just going to run through it. We're going to lightly go over some stuff, yep. and we'll, we'll move on because we don't. We know that we say phenomenal a lot in this, and we're going to try to cut it to a minimum yeah. because I think my phenomenal word count already is up to like seven or eight. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Monday, Swedish meatballs. Tuesday, waffles. Wednesday, French dip, French dip sandwiches. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Thursday, we have masticcioli. Friday, leftovers. Saturday, we will not be here, so that will be a takeout. Sunday is orange chicken. Now, Luke, I'm going to kind of turn this one over to you yeah. right after I touch up on one thing here. The French dip. Yeah. I know we, we mentioned this a few weeks ago when we had this, and I was skeptical. I've never had that before. <laughs> I was quite uncertain with how this would go because it was the first time Miss Fillmore was making it. And I have to say, I was you know pleasantly surprised is not a word that would describe yeah. it. I was astonished astounded sure it felt like i was going insane it felt like i have never tasted anything in my life because i ended up eating 17 of those sandwiches it was absurd how much i ate yeah that. yeah so luke go ahead with the whole week i mean honestly i just wanted to talk about the yeah no i mean swedish meatballs always good i mean today the waffles the bacon the eggs the fruit everything good stuff i mean the french dip i don't know if i've i've seen all three of the hockey boys, me, Nate, and Zane, eat like we did when it was French dip night. Nate was so quiet. It was just a quiet assassin over there. He was just murdering sandwiches left and right. And when he says he had 17, he's not far off. That kid, I mean, we all did. We, we did some damage to the French dip. Um, I mean, Masticcioli, I mean, we haven't had it in a while. It's, it's a stellar meal. It's phenomenal as always. Load up for the weekend. And then obviously Friday, Saturday, we won't be here. And then Sunday, Sunday's always a good dinner. You know, it's, it's a nice, chill, relaxing day. It's always good to start your week off with some good food. And there's no better way to start it off than orange chicken. We haven't had it in forever. Uh, it's, it's been, been a while. It's been a while. She, Mrs. Fillmore did make it while we were gone for Christmas, unfortunately. But we're dialing it back up, so I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I just love how it seems like every week we have a, a different – 
array or range of foods and it's yeah. all over the place and it's like am i looking at a menu or am i looking at like i'm just i don't know what i'm looking at but I, everything i see is good yeah absolutely it's to that point it's like a restaurant that everything is phenomenal yeah you're just like okay you can pick my food for me and that's you, pretty much what it is right exactly but you're picking at the same time so i i it leaves me speechless sometimes folks it does. I, I don't know it what does. else to say and you know I can't have a better segue into our next segment than we tell stories at dinner time. Yeah. And we have some great stories today. I know this for a fact because I think most hockey players and fans of hockey, if you talk to hockey players, they talk about bag skates. Sure. Basically, just going to sum it up for anybody who doesn't know what a bag skate is. It's basically you're just skating on the ice. No pucks, nothing. You're yep. just skating. Coach is upset. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's training camp. He's just trying to get you in shape. But right. it's just a ton of skating to a point where majority of the guys actually throw up. Yeah. If it's done, if it's the done way correctly, it's supposed to be yeah. done. So I know we we got a lot of bag skates to talk about, and this is not skating the river. Skating the river is more of a recovery skate that we do Correct. at the end of practice. It is supposed to push us to condition us, yet at the same time allow our legs to recover a little bit from practice itself. So let's go right. on to bag skates, Luke. Go. Uh, bag skates. Yeah. Not my favorite, obviously not the favorite of any, uh, hockey player ever. I've been through a lot of them. Um, Yellowstone when I was there, not a good time. We're going to skip over that year completely. There were a ton of bag skates. We were not that good, but that's okay. It, it made me, it made me a better bag skater. Uh, Bozeman, not a good time bag skating either. So quick little story time, uh, compressor went down and we had lost the night before. So we won 10 to Friday night. We won 10, nothing. Uh, in Yellowstone, unfortunately, my first game back against my old team. So mm-hmm. super jacked up for that. I was like, oh, yeah, feeling good. We had a kid break his ankle. So it was, and it was a home and home. So we were going back to Bozeman to play. And the broken ankle, obviously, you can't leave a kid at the hospital. We're on a bus, so we don't roll back into Bozeman until about 6.30 a.m. the next day. Oh, Yeah, they go home, go to bed. They leave the next morning, right, to come play us. It's only like a three-hour drive. So... We are absolutely just winded by the time the game starts. Not a good time at all. We lose 4-1. to one. The next day, we have a Sunday skate. Oh, we don't no. normally skate on Sundays, right? The compressor goes out. We survive, right? No, no practice Sunday. Monday, we're thinking practice is canceled or it's delayed, whatever. Our coach says still better be there. We walk in. We have two, garage do- two giant garage doors on both sides of the rink. They are wide open. It is negative 12 degrees outside. The rink felt, I've never been colder in my entire life. And we bag skated for a full two hours and we practiced before the sun came up and the sun came up over the top of the mountains while we were bag skating an hour in and there was just a garbage can sitting at center ice and our two coaches were sitting in chairs. They didn't even put their skates on. Salt. It was not a good time at all, obviously. About 10 minutes before it ended, um, me and the three other captains decided to start to have some fun with it. We decided that it was a good idea while we were doing suicides to start singing. So we were singing songs together and our coach didn't really like that. And he somehow got an extra hour of ice time. Oh my goodness. And we bagged for the next half hour. So it was a two and a half hour bag skate freezing cold my bubble completely froze over so i was skating like i was in the mighty ducks with my bubble like cracked up oh my goodness so that was probably one of the worst times um training camp quick story i know i've been talking a while training camp out west is not a good time you never like when there's mountains and you never like when you're from a place like me that is at basically sea level and you decide your coaches decide that it's a good idea to hike well, the trails you are hiking are meant to be walked, but he makes you run up them. So you are running up mountains and you feel like you're going to die the entire time. So that is that is my bag skate and my quick training camp story. Um, don't know if I've ever experienced a bag skate that was worse than the two and a half hour with both garage doors open. Nate, I uh, would love to hear your bag skate story. Oh my goodness. Wow. I don't even know if I can top what you did, but I guess... I'm going to throw it kind of way back, like before juniors even. Sure. So my little Caesars 18U team, phenomenal coaches. It was like an introduction to juniors before juniors. 
We cut six kids that year. Sure. And brought on six new kids, nice. which was pretty bizarre in itself. So we started that out. I can start with the training camp story there. We skate twice a day for two weeks or something like that. And then we have workouts in there as well. Um, and I just remember one of the skates that we had. It was the second skate of the day. We just had this like big lunch outside with everybody. You know, everybody's having a good time. Oh, no. This is the second skate after that lunch, and we're like, oh, you know, like maybe it won't be bad. They did just feed us, and everybody seemed happy. And I remember we got through the whole practice, and the clock went off in the arena. We're like, all right, we're done. We're going to get out of here. But the Zamboni doors don't open. And I just remember thinking, wait a second, what's going on here? Like, I've only heard about these things. Like, I mean, obviously, I've been bag skated, but not like. You know, where the yeah. the clock goes off and they're right. just telling the Zamboni guy to stay back. Yeah. He very brings miracle. out a trash can to center ice and he says, We're not getting off until somebody pukes in this thing. And at that point you're like, Oh, please, please be someone other than me at this point, because he was very serious about we'll get rid of kids. We're not afraid to do that. We're gonna run this like a junior team. Right. And we bag skated for well over an after an hour after a legit practice yikes after that big dinner too so that was that was my training camp story another bag skate story that i have that's pretty funny that is a junior story actually there's kind of two but i'll just sum up the first one really quick so i can just jump through both of these first one was with islanders hockey club and ncdc i was scratched quite a few games in a row and it turns out they have scratch skates which I didn't even think was a thing. Like, we didn't even play in the games. Right. We didn't lose. But, I mean, I guess I get it. You know, we need to stay in shape. I mean, we show up every day at practice and workouts anyway, regardless. Right. But I didn't think that was a thing, especially when he came into the locker room and was like, all right, we have a scratch skate. And I was like, okay. I, I mean, I figured it was going to be like a skill skate. No, this was not a skill skate. This was six guys out there just bagging for well over an hour and a half almost two hours because we do have three hours of ice oh my lord and that was not the best um i did like it though i felt like it it pushed me and made me not want to be scratched ever again sure so i guess the point got across um which made sense and then another bag skate story is actually in wisconsin rapids here um it was my first day i think i might have told the story before Mm -hmm. We were having a pretty tough practice. I just got done with a drill that required me being on the ice for probably two minutes, and it was a legit shift where I'm going against, I don't even know who the defenseman was, but they were playing me pretty hard, but I had the puck the whole time, and I was just spinning, 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 obviously blowing all my energy and also causing me to almost blow chunks. Sure. Coach says get on the line because of how we were playing that drill. The It was a two-on-two type drill, and... We weren't really talking much. Guys weren't calling guys out. And he's just like, all right, get on the line. And I'm like, oh, boy, I don't feel good. And this was after, um, you know, I went to Gracie's. Right. Great, great food. Yeah. Just ate way too much of it. Sure. It was just too good, I think. And I ate a lot of it. That's just how it went. And I ended up throwing up that practice all over the place <laughs> on the ice. Yikes. I didn't make it to the bench because I was too afraid. This is my first practice. I need to get on the line. I can't look like a, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I bag skated with the yeah. teams before. Like, I should be used to this. Right. Anyway, that's kind of how my story went. Um, bag skates, not fun for anybody. I will say there was a quick little bag skate that we had this year that Marty made us bark coming there and back. And that was probably the most fun I've ever had bag skating. I have never wanted to bark like a dog more than I do. Yeah, we've got we've got a ton of different kind of dogs on our team too is what I learned. We have like the deep-throated dogs like roo, 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 and then there's the <laughs> other ones like the chihuahua barks. Yeah, we've got some chihuahua barks in there too. So, the yipping ones. Yeah. Yip I don't really want to try that. No, I don't either. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a yipper, so. I might be. I don't really know. When I'm skating it just kind of comes out of my mouth. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, I guess that makes sense. I can't imagine that our guest would know. I don't know. Maybe he does. He probably has some stories about it, but, uh, I mean, we'll find out. Coming up next, we got uh, Jack Winger. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, it was a must-have must must interview. Uh, for, you, for those of you that don't know who Jack Winger is, it's pretty hard not to know. I mean, if you 
have ever watched a River Kings game, you see the man standing at the end of the bench with a sweater on. That's yeah, got to stay warm. Yeah, I mean it's colder than anything ever out on the ice. So he's uh, our assistant coach. Our uh, we'll, we'll call you the skills coach for the for the River Kings too. Uh, we so. did we did like one skill session, so that qualifies. Yeah. Yep. I think that uh, the resume impressed me the most. I looked at the questions that Luke kind of put together. You know, there's his playing career, there's coaching career, and then there's the Navy. So, I mean, sure. that's pretty special. I don't know. I'm yeah. high hopes for this interview. I'm, I'm hoping it's a good one. So dis- I'm thinking it's going to be a good one. Yeah, don't No dis- pressure. Don't disappoint. I'm just trying to not say uh a lot. Yeah. My last interview was not very good with that. Kind of sounded like a fool out there. Sure, sure. All right, so we'll, uh, <laughs> since we're a hockey podcast, we'll get into your uh, playing career first. Uh, when did you start playing playing hockey? Uh, three years old. I think I learned to skate when I was two. Um, and then I was actually really into basketball and Michael Jordan because I lived in Chicago at the time. And, okay. And my, uh, my dad got me the movie Mighty Ducks, and that changed everything. Sure. So. Uh, so we hear, uh, well, I know this story, but I would like the listeners to, uh, can you tell us about your gear growing up? Oh, you mean the hockey stick? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like I said, my dad got me that movie, Mighty Ducks, but I don't come from like a hockey family or anything. So he didn't really know like what to get me. Um, I had like these shoulder pads that looked like I played in the NFL <laughs> and then he didn't know that, that, you know, when you have your stick, you tape it, and then after you're done using the tape, you take it off, you throw it away. He just kept taping over it, so <laughs> I had a club eventually, and luckily, my mic coach, Joe Butcher, um, he he was like, hey, you can just take the tape off, because at that, at that point, it was probably half an inch thick around my stick. So a weapon. Stick. Yeah, it really sucked. <laughs> you never heard the puck hit the stick. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you said you played basketball growing up a little bit, right? Any other sports? Baseball. Baseball. Okay. Um, that was probably a bit better at baseball than hockey. Okay. So. How far did you take each of those sports? I played baseball till high school. Um, I played left bench in football. <laughs> And so I quit that one pretty fast, but I like the action, so that's why I was drawn to hockey. Okay. Right at those sports, you kind of sit there and wait for the next play to happen. Sure. You got any uh, non-hockey sports uh, stories for us? Uh, yeah, actually, when I was playing uh, minor little league, when I was like, I think nine years old it was, um, I would just swing at anything, right? I'd be in the batter's box just swinging away. And the pitcher, you know, because we're little, didn't get the ball all the way to the plate. It bounced one time, uh, but it got up in my strike zone after the bounce. I thought, hey, this is a good pitch. It's my speed. So I put it into the outfield and got a stand-up double. (laughs) That was was such a winger story if I've ever heard one. (laughs) So where did you play youth hockey growing up? And then, like, how'd that go? Where did you end up, actually? I just want to hear the full career hockey story uh so i played just single a sun prairie uh wisconsin played there all the way played varsity for the high school team um and then i switched back to defense and did really well at you know the bantam festivals in the central districts um i was always forced to play forward for some reason uh, i tried to switch a ton ton of times with one of our other defensemen who was actually way better forward but the coach was really um you know strong about keeping us where we were and so then season ended as done with high school hockey and I went to Fairbanks as open camp as a defenseman and it was at cap ice and I actually made the team out of camp and they didn't know who I was so it's a good thing I never played defense in high school. So um, I went up there, played a little bit, got traded to Springfield, never heard from them. So I ended up joining the Navy because my grandpa was in the Navy. Um, and I, it's not like didn't have an advisor at the time. They weren't a huge thing yet. So, you know, it's not like anybody called Springfield. Right, yeah. so I was just like, no, oh, didn't hear from him. Guess I'm done playing hockey. <laughs> right, so um, joined joined the military, did that, K 
came out, worked with Larry Clemens for um, probably eight months, just skating every day by myself, jumping in goalie lessons, and then went down to the SPHL with the Huntsville Havoc and, you know, practiced and, and played with them for a couple weeks, and my back was pretty messed up. Um, so kind of kind of tossed in the towel and started coaching. So, Wow. Well, there you go. That answered the rest of my playing career questions, I think, <laughs> that I had. He just gave us the full rundown. I mean, first first pro guest we've had on, on the podcast. Another yeah. first. Hey, well, I don't know if I'd call it that. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know what? If you touch the ice with a pro team, technically. Hey, they gave me gear and I took it. So. <laughs> there you go. You're pro. And You're a pro in my heart, winger. <laughs> Uh, as you said, so uh, after, uh, so when did you start coaching? Uh, I was 22. I don't know what year that was, three, four years ago. Okay. So um, coached two seasons with the old Dells Ducks down the road. Sure. And then uh, had to take a year year off to regroup after that. <laughs> <laughs> and right. so you kind of walked us through your whole like playing career as it was. Were there any, like, standout moments mm. or, like, like funny moments, anything that, like, just stood out when you thought back to your playing career? Um, yeah, we actually we had a really fun high school team. We had a class of 13 guys that were in my grade. Oh, so our senior sure. year, we had 13 seniors. Um, and growing up playing with those guys every single year, guys would go in and out of AAA, but they'd always come back. And... So it was really fun playing with those guys growing up. It was more of like a junior team where, you know, they were rookies. They're, you know, they were the older, the upperclassmen. There were pranks. Um, I remember taping kids' skates together. <laughs> I remember my shoes. There used to be a pole, and if you didn't get into the locker room quick enough after picking up pucks as a freshman or a sophomore, your shoes would get thrown on the pole, and you'd have to like asked the rink guy to get him down and he wasn't like the most friendly sometimes so <laughs> he'd, he'd be like all right i'll get to him when i get to him and you end up sitting there waiting to get your shoes for like an hour or two so <laughs> so yeah there's it was some some fun stuff so <laughs> i guess that can take us into your coaching career because then you kind of ended on your coaching career so when did you exactly start coaching and you said you were at the dells but is that kind of like when it started and how did that opportunity unfold? Yeah. I mean, working with Larry at the rink when I was trying to play and trying to, you know, play pro, I learned a ton about skills and the small area stuff and how valuable that is because I became a much better hockey player there than I ever was um, in high school or anything like that. Because we would just focus on super basic, fundamental things, and then they would all build up over time. So that's when I really got interested in the whole skill development. Because I thought, man, if I'm coming out of the Navy and I haven't touched a stick in two and a half years, um, then what, you know, what can I do with guys that are actually playing? And they're active and they're continuing to go through the process. Because um, I, I feel like I got pretty decent over that amount of time. So I thought guys at a higher level could really use that, and that's where I started going into to the skills and Adam Oates and researching guys, not just looking at drills and Instagram and picking them out, but the mechanics of why things work, really studying the game um, from an analytical point. Also with the eye test, what needs to be done as a hockey player that the analytics can't see, but also meshing it with you know, your guys' strengths and weaknesses is huge. Mm -hmm. um, and then Larry actually introduced me to Jeff Worlton with the Ducks. Um, and I got into that. And not as much skill development as I thought there'd be in coaching because there's so much at this level, you know, being a general manager and head coach, there's so much to worry about. Um, so you got to prepare your team as a whole, most importantly. But that's where it's really important to have assistant coaches like Rotor and myself to alleviate that and focus on the small mechanical things mm -hmm. um, and the details of the game. So Marty can organize, you know, game day stuff, 
and things like that. Um, where the Dolls, it was good, but it was more of a two-man show. This Rapids has a unbelievable amount of support, so it's really, really easy to, you know, get things done, and that's a lot of what Marty's done here is build that up. Perfect. Yeah. So jumping, uh, jumping kind of to the to the present of since you you are now the coach here. What's your uh, what's your favorite part of coaching here, and then what's your favorite part of just coaching in general? Because I know. For me, Jack is my advisor, so like during the summer I skate with him, we do the summer skates and stuff, so what's your favorite part of coaching here and then coaching uh, just like in general? Um, my favorite part of coaching here is just we got a great group of guys, mm-hmm. uh, so it's really fun to come to the rink. I mean, I only come up on Tuesdays, but I spend the whole day on the ice with you guys or up top working uh, with you guys, so just the overall culture of this team is really fun and enjoyable to to be around um where it's a lot different than the summer because you have a bunch of individuals that come in uh it's great you have camaraderie individually but here it's a team Mm -hmm. uh that's that's trying to accomplish you know the one goal that we have which is to win right and so that's my favorite part coming in and being with a group like this i think that kind of goes into our next question too is I know that on game days, you're here, you're talking to the defense, you're always telling them they got to be nails in front of the net. Yeah. I kind of want to know what your normal game day looks like for you as a coach. Like how I prepare for the yeah, games? I wanna, yeah, I want to oh, know yeah. how you prepare for the games and then how you try to get other people prepared for the games when you get here. Um, well, so a lot of guys do video, right? So there's that part of it as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I prepare guys through video. Um, but on actual game day, and I wake up, I try to go work out, have a cup of coffee, work on some rule one stuff, uh, and then I drive up here. So <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. But I do think the meetings that we have uh, with the D before a big game uh, to, to focus in on those key points are really important. And so that way they start thinking, thinking of it when they're putting their skates on. And then by the time they're out there, they're ready to go. They're locked in. And a lot of it, you know, starts on, on Monday. Um, and then we split ice and we do D and forward skills and a lot of it is focused there that builds into the games that we got to. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned rule one. Um, how did you get started with rule one? Um, well, I coached and I did skills. Uh, I work, you know, with Austin as my business partner. Uh, I actually had him down and trained him for a year when I was first getting started. Um, started doing skills with guys then Austin probably asked me every day for six months if I wanted to be an advisor and I was really stubborn and I just I just wanted to coach Uh, but then I realized that I could just take these individual players you know from the USHL and the NA and Division 1 and work with them individually without having to move up the ranks and there's guys that have done that in the past and found themselves in the NHL Mm -hmm. Um, so I really took that route and I really like it because one, I only have to worry about myself and what these guys need from me um, and then just providing that. I don't have to worry about all the, the extra you know, team stuff. I can just focus in on the players. So. Yeah, and I know that the video you do here, I mean, I find it super helpful for myself because it's an individualized video. So it's based on that player and kind of going through just their shifts, which I find super helpful, obviously. And then I guess sticking on the rule one topic, what else do you do for rule one other than being an advisor? Because I know that you're pretty highly involved with rule one, and I know that's kind of an everyday thing for you. Yeah, so I do, I advise, sign players. Um, Every day we try to grow. So, I mean, we have, we just hired a new social media team. Um, which we're super excited about and, and what they're going to provide for us and trying to re- trying to relate to players um, because that's a huge thing, right? Everybody's on Instagram, everybody sees these great plays, and so we want to be actively reaching out to players um, then seeing the success of our athletes and, you know, how can we help them, right? Because we're not your typical agency. We provide anything you could ever imagine for a hockey player, right? If our guys ask, hey, I need a nutritionist, we have one, right? Um, Strength and conditioning, things like that, too. So, I mean, day-to-day, it's usually video and then just talking to players. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and and just the higher level up a player players that you get the higher up the agency goes right and then the current players that you have advanced to the next level that's the number one most important thing that we focus in on right because that's the question well what are your players doing that are already signed mm-hmm. well they're advancing to here and you know they're having a good time so absolutely so you kind of went through what your normal day looks like uh do you have any good stories from being an advisor like any funny ones or any just ones that you think uh you think need to be told um i like going to the showcases with the boys so we'll put showcase teams together and go to like capstone (laughs) um we actually played a really good team with cap uh with the capstone tournament their team it was a really fun game. We actually lost with a second left on the clock. Yeah. So that was tough. But it was really fun for the players. I think a lot of guys took a lot from that game. Um, and I mean, we have like an 0-4 that played in that game, and he got beat up pretty good. And now he got really motivated from that, and he got called up to the Northeast Generals in the Null so, and skated with them. So that's one guy that from that game took a tremendous stride. But... Just back at the hotel, hanging out with the boys, getting to know them better. Um, there's some clowns that we advise, um, but they're really fun guys, really good kids. So the the stories there are pretty fun. So. I will say, um, I was on that capstone team this year, and I may or may not have slashed a goalie in the head to get the boys going, and Jack was the first one to just feed the rep about it. Yeah. So well, the goalie can't slash a player and expect to not get slashed back. Yeah, you know. So got the boys going. It's an eye for an eye. Yeah, and uh, I will say the capstone tournament this year with everything going on was uh, a ton of fun. Just uh, scoping out in the parking lot, finding a parking space near the door, just all getting dressed out in the parking lot <laughs> with with Winger and uh, and Austin, just kind of hanging out. Just yeah, we didn't have a locker room there, so. <laughs> We just made a couple parking stalls our locker room. Everybody would bring their bag over, and we'd just get dressed in the parking lot and go in and win 10 to 1. So Perfect. That's like, You don't need a locker room to win games. No. I mean, I guess we're going to stick on the Rule 1 subject. What's your favorite part about the job? Favorite part? I really enjoy every aspect of it. Um, but my favorite part is... This past summer, I had a group of, of the USHL players, and my favorite part was actually when we'd get done doing skills, watching how they grind. I mean, we get off the ice at 11.30, um, you know, 10 to 11.30 at night when there's dead ice. We have a good group, six NHL draft picks come out of that group this summer, which was really cool. But there's guys that would stay out there till one fifteen, one thirty in the morning, and I'd just sit in the rink and hang out till they're done. So just seeing how hard they have to work to accomplish that level was pretty cool to see. And, you know, I'm just sitting in the lobby on Facebook watching what they're doing. I mean, guys taking hundreds of shots from every part of the ice. Right, so the skill development there is really cool to see on a day-to-day basis. Um, I'd say my favorite part's probably video, breaking down the game, seeing how we can manipulate it to your strengths and weaknesses as an individual player, and watching guys grow um, and go score, right, because of the video that we did. That's my favorite part, when you guys go score goals because of what we talked about. It's really, really gives me a sense of accomplishment, right, that, all right, I made an impact there, how what else can we do to get more goals now, more assists, mm-hmm. right? And then seeing you guys go do that, it's really it's really awesome. I will say that the video sessions are a ton of fun too because Winger is never afraid to bag on somebody, on our team or the other team. They're awesome. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Like, hey, it's, it's all about honesty and that's how you get better, even yeah. if the person's not there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes, sometimes there are there are lines drawn on the screen of from the other. Like there'll be a kid who's like got his head facing the wrong way, and Winger will just draw a line out into the crowd and circle somebody that he's looking at. Yeah, 
there's a lot of puck watching that goes on at every level, so I mean, you just got to know when to take advantage of it. I will never forget the video we had where you picked out every single guy on the other team on the ice, and you drew a line to where they were looking at in the rink. Oh, this guy's looking at the clock. This guy's looking at something on the glass over here. This guy's looking into the crowd. Yeah, you can just take the puck right to the middle because nobody's watching. <laughs> Last thing about the video sessions is I think my favorite piece of video all year was definitely when Winger drew a goalie in the net on my instat and it was it was a pretty good goalie and like he drew it like with his like mouse cursor and I was very impressed and it looked a lot like the goalie we were shooting on. <laughs> I'm guessing this guy was a twig. No, he actually. No, I tried to do the whole. He had like he had arms and shoulders and yeah, his but there was no shoulder on the blocker side and went neck right to blocker. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He's just got a big blocker over there. So, um, little burning question that me and Nate have both had about: uh, Do you have a favorite client that you advise at Ruan and a least favorite? You don't have to name drop them, but Um, preferably name drop them. Least favorite. I don't have any like least favorite guys. So if there's guys that I don't mesh well in the getting to know you talks before they sign, they usually go the other way. Or if I don't like something that they say, I just I won't call them back. <laughs> right. Sure. And it's we look for certain guys that have certain characteristics. Right. Because if we're gonna give you all the hockey support in the world, we want you to use it. We don't want it to just be there and then you never advance, you never get better because you lack the characteristics needed to take advantage of a company like this, mm-hmm. right? So usually if I don't see that in a guy, I usually never talk to him, but, um, you know, if it comes out and talks, then I kind of just, you know, stray away. Um, but, you know, there's some great players that I haven't gotten the chance to work with that I really want to. Um so I always stay on them. So like, you can talk to me in the summer of 2019, and then you'll sign in the you know fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. So because I'll stay on you, right? And you got this kid Ben Oakland. I'm gonna stay on him. Right? <laughs> watch his career, see when the timing's right. Because sometimes it doesn't match up, right? Sometimes yeah. the player doesn't need that right now. Maybe he needs to figure some things out on his own, and then once he's ready to have that level of play and that level of focus, then it steps in and it's a great relationship. Um, but my, I don't have any least favorites. I'm trying to think of my favorite because I really like working with um, all the players. But I do really admire the dedication that Brent Kiefer has. Uh, he'll ask questions all day every day and just continues to get better he's obsessed like today he's doing the shooting machine that they have in at their rink and then he practices and then he's back on the shooting machine and then he goes and works out and he asks me questions all throughout it um, on how to get better and that really started this past summer because he's a guy that signed with no points in 15 games when he started at Shreveport and then he signed, he put in the work, he really bought into video um, and his speed and how he plays. And he had 19 points in 22 games to finish out that in all season. And he was on the fourth and worked himself up to the third line. And then this year, um, seeing the steps he took through the summer, I think he would have played in the USHL this year if it was a normal year. Mm-hmm. But he's back down in the null. He's a first-line player now and being extremely productive because... He's adopted that work ethic, that obsession that it takes to get to the levels that he wants to play at. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like the guys that you want to go for when you were talking about like guys like that you kind of steer away from. You just want them to put in what they expect to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I like all my players a lot, like personality-wise, but he really pushes himself above and beyond, I think, anybody else that we have. Um, we actually have a new player that's assigned that is reminding me of Brent. He's asking me questions every day, um, buying in right away. So, but guys are at different points in their career. So I, I treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into your Navy career quickly, uh, what is something you've learned either coaching or advising that you didn't think you would? Um, 
I guess something I see a lot are the guys that that I've learned is there's people in hockey for great reasons, for fantastic reasons, and there's people in hockey for selfish reasons. Um, and we just stay away from the people for selfish reasons because they never do things the right way. So I've learned instead of trying to work with them, you know, you don't ever want to badmouth somebody, but just staying away from them. You're better off doing that. Mm -hmm. So you can protect yourself and protect the players as well. So I'm here to represent players, not coaches. But I guess heard that one. <laughs> heard, heard that one a fair, <laughs> fair share of times. Going on to probably the most interesting topic of this interview, um, you were in the Navy, and okay. you've said it a few times. You kind of lightly touched on why you went into it, but could you give us the full story? I mean, you, you said, like, hockey wasn't working out so you just decided to go to the navy why exactly did you choose the navy and then on top of that i want to know your favorite and least favorite part of the navy um the i chose the navy just because my grandpa was in the navy served mm -hmm. in world war ii um so i thought sure why not um that's kind of you know that playing it loose and fast attitude that i have sometimes um so i got into the navy you know, I just got done playing hockey, so, you know, you guys will notice this. When you're done playing hockey, you're usually the most athletic person uh, around normal people. So <laughs> I was able to pass tests <laughs> that others couldn't. Um, so I, I ended up getting nominated for Special Warfare, um, continued to do it, and then went to SWIC, which is Special Warfare Combatant Crewman. Um, my least favorite part of it, waking up at 3 a.m. and maybe going to bed at midnight. That's a tough one. A um, lot of, a <laughs> lot of angry mornings sometimes sure. until, sure. until you get the energy going. Um, but my favorite thing about it was probably much like a hockey team. Um, your team, or you know, some guys get into companies or whatever it's called. Um, for me, it was a team the camaraderie right mm -hmm. like you're with those guys 24 7 um you're learning about them you go through things together that you don't have with any other people so it's like i still talk to navy buddies right now that are still in some are out but it's super easy to to connect so but probably my favorite my favorite times were hanging out with my buddy Bilal because we had a balcony at our apartment and we would just after a long day of work, we just sit out there and shoot the breeze and talk and have a few drinks and um, we'd be out there for hours just talking, listening to music and then, um, you know, the, the next day would happen, so. But he was always there, he's a beauty. So that was probably my favorite times. Perfect, so I've, I've heard this story. I think only like me and Yanni have heard this story. Uh, can you take us through the sort of you running um, on a beach with omelets in your pocket? Yeah, I mean, there's omelets. There's like it just depends what time of day. You know, sometimes it'd be mashed potatoes. Like there's a couple weeks where they push you really hard uh, past the point of exhaustion to see what you're made of, what you believe in yourself and your body. So they would rush meals, and you'd have you know a couple minutes to grab food and whatever and if you weren't filled up because you were burning calories you had to like put food in your pockets and hope you didn't get caught so there were a couple times that and other guys too they just put food in their pockets and we'd go on our way so yeah that's absolutely <laughs> wild stuff what I, I don't even yeah i don't know that's it's kind of new to me i know luke told me a little bit about it I mean, he didn't tell me the full story, you know, I, I mean, I get the whole, your, your rush eating, I guess, and then you have to go do stuff, but I haven't really ever heard of just shoving food in your pockets and keeping it there. Like, hey. when do you pull it out, and is it disgusting? I mean, it's your clothes, right? Like, it's your pocket, it's how you maintain it. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, I'd make sure my pockets were clean. I mean, they weren't so. clean, obviously, after you put food in them. <laughs> No, but <laughs> you go to the washing machine, you know, that night and you make sure they're clean for the next day in case you need them. I mean, did you ever get like hair or anything on your omelets that were stuck in your pockets? Probably no, uh, sand though. Oh. That's not great. 
That's yeah. a tough one. Isn't yeah. that kind of like salt, though? <laughs> Wouldn't it give it that salty uh, texture? It's more like gravel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it might be time to move on to our don't say uh or um segment. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this, Winger, but we have a new segment, a relatively new segment to the podcast. Only two people have ever competed in it, and they have failed both times miserably. Again, I will go over the rules. Basically, I have five questions for you. And basically, you're just going to answer them the best you can without saying ah or um. If you say ah or um, you lose. We've been giving people three chances, and they still can't do it. Again, no one has won this challenge yet. I'm really interested to see if you will win. I heard you talking before we started the interview about how you're trying to keep out the uhs or ums because interviews are bad. I've done okay. I feel like I just, I've started some answers with going, uh, and then I go on and talk. Yeah, yeah. it's because you got to think about yeah, it a little yep, bit. But gotta, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. So we have the five questions, and they're pretty good ones. They're going to make you think, but you need to give us kind of like a full answer to them. And yeah. again, if you win, you get a crisp high five from both of us. We do not make any money on this podcast, so we unfortunately can't give you anything other than a crisp high five. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first question I have for you is I want you to tell the list. It's not a question, really. It's a, I want you to tell the listeners the funniest coaching moment you've had. Funniest coaching moment was the first day of my coaching career, actually. Stone, the second player I committed to college, he plays at Castleton now. He came into the rink early. I was there early, you know, excited first day. And so I had to use the bathroom, right? I'm in a stall. It's the Dow's <laughs> rink. It's a nice rink, but it has a jiggly handle. It's his first day of juniors as well. So he goes to the bathroom, and he's kind of a space cadet, which I didn't know at the time. <laughs> But he walks in, and he just rips open the door. <laughs> and I'm in there doing my thing, and it's first day, and he goes, oh, sorry, coach. And I go, see you in a bit. <laughs> and that's how Stone and I met each other. He turns out to be one of my favorite players that I've ever worked with, still talk to him all the time. And so he's, he's enjoying school out there in Castleton. Perfect. Awesome. One for one. One for one so far. Then. And a good How many sort. questions do I have? There's you have five. Five? <laughs> I get three lives. There should be three questions. Okay? Four questions? I mean, five. we're giving you I'll three lives. Five. I'll win. I, I mean, the first one you did really well. I was yeah, surprised. There was yeah. times where I knew you were thinking about yeah. what else you were going to say, and then you just kept it going with like a but or like an and instead yeah. of an uh or an yeah. um, which a lot of people do. So I was impressed with that. But this next question is not going to take as long and yeah. i'm really interested in this answer what is your least favorite condiment and why <laughs> it's a good question i think sauerkraut's a joke unless it's on a brat <laughs> that's a good answer i'll take that <laughs> we will take that <laughs> all right the next question is a hypothetical question for you you're in high school, a kid wants your lunch money. How are you getting out of the situation? Walk us through what's going through your head and why. <laughs> Setting down my backpack and we're going to go toe to toe. Sure. Back in the lunch money, unless you're beating me up for it. That's so you're looking at this kid. What, what exactly <laughs> is going through your head when he asks for your lunch money? I'm already taking off my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> no unless there's a mind. reason that he has, like maybe I forgot my money. All right, sure. You know, like, I'll buy your lunch today. You know, you buy mine tomorrow or whatever it is. Maybe a nice gesture where, you know, I just buy his lunch and that's it. But if he's just going to forcefully take it, I'm not even thinking. I'm just taking off my backpack. You know, Perfect. I, I think that's a, a well-justified answer there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this, this is an unanswered question to this day that I remember I asked you when we were in the Dells before our game. And you said I'd have to get back to you on that one. Mm. So I asked you what time. your least favorite flavor of bubblegum was, and it stumped you for a time. And I want to know what it is and why. Well, we got the variety pack now. I don't like the strawberry. It tastes like medicine. <laughs> so just the strawberry? Yeah. I mean, everything else is fine, but the strawberry is just not good. All right. I mean, do, what's your favorite flavor of gum? Great. Okay. Two five them before every game. And that doesn't taste like medicine? No. I mean, Skaggs chew bubble gum by the table before every game. Yeah, doesn't just he have like a hundred? Yeah, that kid. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's got, he's got his own bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question, you managed to go four for four so far. This is off the record. How confident are you feeling with this final question? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. He's dialed So in. this question was actually asked on a commercial once. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, and how do you know? <laughs> Eighth grade chemistry. We did a experiment. I got the maroon flavor. Took 118 licks. I think it averaged out to like 124 because the orange one took longer that day for some reason. It was the best experiment we ever did in school, so I remember it. Why? Wow. Why did I never have that? Hang on a minute. Gotta, he just gave gotta, us a real answer with scientific proof. I got a lock type memory. Oh, eighth grade? Yeah. <laughs> Jack Winger, you are the first person to complete this Don't Say Our Rum segment without saying Our Rum. Yeah, you got my competitive juices going when you said that earlier, so I had to win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we got to give him a crisp by five now. Yeah. That's just yeah. how it is. Nice. I am. Sounds good. How'd Max do at this? Not well. He, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't win. He didn't win. He was he was pretty confident. Both guys we've had on have been pretty confident. Yeah. But you know they couldn't talk to talk. Yeah. Riley was decent. Riley did okay. He did he did pretty well, but he wasn't able to complete. No. It. But there was like, they at least took one two lives, and then Max took three. Yeah. So, I mean, you didn't mess up once. No. No, that is the score to beat. I guess... Five for five. I thought I was trying to put some questions in there, like thinker questions, and I guess they just... I don't know what it was. He just knew the answers immediately. To questions I wouldn't even know answers to if someone asked me randomly. Yeah. Dialed in bottles. Yeah. Dialed. I mean, that's task at hand right there. That's actually... That's probably my favorite... Going back, that's probably my favorite part to the Navy. Uh, It made me a lot of... A lot smarter than I was in high school. I graduated high school with like a 2.3 GPA. I went to the Navy and went through all that training. The ASVAB, the test you go in um, and take before, like Yanni's doing it, um, he probably had an outstanding score to become a pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mine was a 97 because I had to study really hard. And then after that, I went to UW-Madison. I had a 3.82 as my cumulative there so that was probably my favorite part made me a lot a lot more dialed in so i can beat challenges like that easily i'm slippers (laughs) nine with real shoes on (laughs) yeah i i guess yeah it's just on on us it is i guess we got to get better i guess so because he's challenging us now to get better at that so we have a harder challenge for people like himself wearing slippers (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, I knew he'd do... I, I thought he'd do pretty well. I didn't know if, if 5 for 5 was in was in the works or not. So, I'm impressed. I might look pretty dumb, but there's a lot more going on upstairs than it looks like there, Bottles. <laughs> Rule 1 sports at its finest right there. Rule 1 sports at its finest. I think that that just about does it for the interview. I mean, that was a phenomenal interview, I have to say. that was It was. It was nice. I got to know a little bit more about my assistant coach. It was uh, a good time, for sure. Yeah. Thank you for uh, coming on, Winger. Really enjoyed having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, probably most listened to the episode, huh? Probably. <laughs> we'll have to see. Probably. I mean, if you if you throw it up on the uh, the rule on Instagram and stuff, we might have to. Never know what's gonna happen. To. So, uh, guys can learn more about rule on sports and what we do. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, we are international. We keep adding countries left and right. Actually, we do have Australia on there now. And I think it was Italy and then yep. Slovenia, France, um, Canada. Canada. We're international. We're big time. What's this for? Like, people that listen to us. Like we oh, get, we get the podcast. metrics of, like... All who, the way over there, huh? Yeah, we get, yeah, we get the metrics of, like, oh. who listens to us and what countries they're from. So, yeah. We're also pretty big with the 50 to 65-year-old. Um, we have a lot of fans. We do. We do. We're, yeah. we're kind of big time. What are you guys up to? I, a lot. It's too many. Guys. Enough yeah. to get like 26 listens every... It's more than 26 usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, we'll see. Yeah. So I'll be 26. Yeah, you'll be yeah. 26 for sure. Because if I don't, I'm just going to pump it up on Instagram. Huh? Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, we'll 
we'll take it obviously so <laughs> yeah i think that that just about wraps it up thank you again winger this next episode is going to be a big one coming up next week we have a huge energy guy and i'm almost certain everyone on the team loves this guy and he's also a guy who isn't afraid to drop him with anybody I think we all know it has to be the one and only Max Gracer. This guy is a, a fourth-year junior guy, which is just bizarre to me. And he's another guy, like, out of the Chirac area. So, you know, relatively close to Luke, not totally, you know, maybe even more Chirac than Luke is. He's way more Chirac than I At am. this point. Um, but, I mean, regardless, a fossil altogether. Tons of stories, I'm sure. Tune in next week's episode, and we'll be featuring fan and team favorite, Max Gracer. Also, thank you for joining us on another one-of-a-kind episode of The Skating the River. We hope everyone enjoyed the stories and the interview with our special guest and assistant coach, Jack Winger. Make sure to follow our Instagram and Facebook for updates on the podcast and check out our elegant website to learn more about the boys. Until next time, this is Nathan Bottles and Luke Harkey signing off.